The Theonauts, episode 112. The one where we come back from the dead. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo heel catchers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. It's much more polished this time. Oh, yeah. I like, was it polished? Did you? Oh, last time it was horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were all out of scene. Oh, yeah, I remember. I didn't even have a Theo thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we try. Yeah. So, what's up, David? Oh, man. Well, this this study that we're doing right now uh-huh. um, has worked out really well at the way I think. Yes, I do too. And uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, we uh, we we've had a good time going through the study, and we uh, had a outdoor service. Yes, good response. Yes, it was, I was, it was baptized. Awesome. My dad called, and he goes, <laughs> "What's up with that?" Yeah, well, more it was. <laughs> Your grandma was on Facebook, and she saw that you had a baptism service and all those postings. She saw you got baptized, and then she saw you with Blakely, and she wanted to know if you baptized Blakely. (laughs) She was about to be up in arms, man. I'm like, assure grandmother that I have not joined a cult, and I didn't baptize Blakely. No offense to you, that pediatrician. That's a little harsh. Yes. But my grandmother would say he's joined a cult or something, which right? Because she's so hardcore Southern Baptist, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, anyways, but no, I I told you should that. Have, you should have strung her out a little bit. Yeah, you know? it was like, well, we didn't actually baptize her; we just sprinkled her, right. christened, christened her exactly. And you know, it was it was just a savior that was always no. Anyways, so uh, yeah, I I explained to Dad. Yeah, I got baptized, and it was awesome. It was. Uh, it was a rededication. It was a renewal of vows. He's like, you know, that's really cool that you did that and showed that with, you know, he's really excited that, that we were, we were teaching that with baptism. Oh, cool. And so he, yeah, he was, he was uber excited and I was too. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, and it was one of those things where, man, it was like everything was, a seemed to oh, be against man. us that yeah. morning. Like nothing was working right. We were <laughs> doing the, we were doing the service outside, and my my guitar fell and lost its tune and lost its tune. And so I called David out of the blue and made him do a made him do the acapella song, which I'm so sorry. I've I never that. led that song in my life. Oh my goodness, I'm so <laughs> sorry I did that. And uh, I just didn't know what to do. And I'm like, I got to tune this because this is gonna sound horrible. Yeah. And then after that, it was just like, ah. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. just lost the Well, and aside taste. from that, we had, um, there was some miscommunication about the mowing. Oh, yeah. So the yard didn't get mowed. Right. And then there was a um, there was a miscommunication about the grill, because we were going to grill outside. Right. And. Nobody brought a grill. Nope. We had hamburger, bu- or hamburger patties. But no grill. And no grill. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it was just one thing after another. Right. 
that was happening that morning. And um, but thanks to some quick thinking on Jacob's part, we uh, we got those. Puppies. Yeah, I got the the lady that works there at the at yeah. the local quick check to uh, grill up the. I wondered where he was going during worship, and I'm like, I walk him, I watch him walk off towards the quick check. <laughs> I'm like, he must be hungry. He must be wanting some. Some breakfast or something. So uh, <laughs> then I see him come back, and I'm like, "Huh, I wonder what." They-. I had no clue that we'd forgotten the grill or anything yeah. Like that. And so. uh, but you know, it was like all of a sudden God showed up, and yeah. it was like pff, all that stuff just went away, right. just melted away. And isn't that the way it kind of works? And it's like Satan is like trying to to put all these doubts in your head and be like, "You you don't have what it takes." This is this is not going to work. It's you know we 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 had that baptistry. We set it up beforehand, and I'm thinking I don't know if anyone's ever, is going to respond. Yeah. And and here we are. You know we're going to be sitting here with this you know empty baptistry or this, this baptistry full of water and empty people. Right, right, right. right. But uh, it actually we had five people. Yes, uh, make you, use of it. So. I was really excited. Uh, Dylan <clears throat> got baptized. One of my sons, I call mm-hmm. my son, and uh, he uh, he just was like I've never heard it really explained that way and it really made sense to me that that I needed to be baptized and it was just amazing you know cuz I I baptized him when he was 13 yeah and uh he's like I just felt like I did it for all the wrong reasons and mm. so this is my commitment you know this cool. is my, so it was pretty awesome and and so we'll we'll get to that uh that study next Next week. Oh yeah, that's right. And we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the show here. Um, but it was really good. I didn't get to listen to the whole sermon because my baby pooped on. Oh yes, yeah, it was another one, one yeah. of those things that right. was working against us. Blakely had explosive diarrhea. She still has explosive diarrhea. We're on day three of that. Man, it's fun keeping her hydrated. I'm lying. It's not fun at all. And yes, we are having to keep her <laughs> hydrated. And she's screaming. And tonight she just looked lethargic. And I'm like, oh my poor baby. She needs to be healthy. So. Okay. Anyways, pray for her. But yes, yeah, we'll do. All right, you ready to get going? <laughs> yeah, let's do this. So, so we're on part three. Yes, of a four-part series mm-hmm. on the good news, and so Jeremiah took the first two. Studies, yes, and I got uh, the last two stuck with the hard part. <laughs> well, I don't know about the hard part, but the last one's kind of hard just because you're dealing with so many already preconceived ideas. Oh, yeah, because you know, obviously, we're going to talk about baptism next time, yeah, but this time we want to talk about um, what I keep calling <laughs> the most neglected doctrine in Christendom, yes. And the reason why I say that is because I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about regeneration. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not taught like at a grassroots level in most churches, I believe. And at least it wasn't in the church I was raised in. And um, brought down to basics. Yeah, like it's because there's always this debate between works and grace and where that line is. Right. And I often hear people say, well, it's in the middle, you know? And it's like, no, it's not in the middle. Mm-mm. It's not a, it, you know, people go, oh, you're too grace or you're too much works. And it's really right in the middle. No, it's not in the <laughs> middle. It's, it, and the reason why people can't grasp the difference is because of this doctrine 
this doctrine answers that debate right about whether or not it's works or grace or whatever and i you know as we said in the last episode that salvation is not your work right it's god's work yes that he that he did on the cross Amen and that. gifted to us so you know whenever you say that we're saved by grace the first thing that people want to say is oh so that means i can just do anything i want and as we've said on the show before, the answer to that question is, well, what is it you want? Right. And that is what we're talking about today sure. is, is regeneration. Um, so it, we, we've kind of been stepping a little bit through uh, Romans here. Right. And we had gotten up to chapter five. And as I said the other day, well, yeah, but there's 10 chapters or there's 10 more chapters in uh, Romans. There's That's 16 right. chapters total. Yes. And and we get to the grace part, you know, in chapter five. So it's like, where do we go from here? Mm. And that's where the Apostle Paul starts giving us application. Right. And that's where, um, you know, a lot of these these books in, in the New Testament, especially, they they start with theology. Mm-hmm. The, they, they start with the, the theological side of it. And then he moves to, okay, how do we apply that? And how does that actually go into our lives? So Romans uh, 1 through 3 is the bad news, you know, yes. that, that everyone sucks and, and you, can't, <laughs> you can't get there on your own. Um, Romans 4 and 5 is, praise God, there is a solution to this. And his name is Jesus. Yes. And he does everything for you. And then in chapter 6... Um, Really, six, seven, and eight really are about our response to this grace. Right. How do we respond now, knowing that that we have this grace? And then, and then eleven or ten and eleven are a little strange. Romans ten and eleven are really this whole thing about how does the nation of Israel fit into this whole grace concept? Right, because that was a big question. And uh, yeah, and so yeah, it's really those are some of the weirdest chapters uh, because it almost if you you can almost read it to 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 a point where it sounds like Paul is saying that God could just flat out save Israel because He used them right for this, um, which I'm not going to go there. But I'm saying it can read that way. It's a really right. s- strange um, part of the of the book. But then chapters 12 through 16 is, okay, now that we've got grace, and now that we know how to follow the Spirit and, and act right in it, this, these last few chapters are dealing with how do we deal with one another in daily life now that we have this? Right. Ha- having grace on one another, more or less. Right is really is what those chapters are all about. So there's all this life application happening, and so we're calling this study life altering. Yes, news because you can't have the good news and it not change your life. Right, and that's what I, I think. There's there's a lot of times some confusion about that. Uh, Romans six begins with sh- what what then should we sin that grace should abound. And his answer is, depending on the translation, no. 
Absolutely not in the NET. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> There's, um, of course, it could be translated even more harsh than that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. So, Something we'll talk about later. On. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he's why is he asking this question? Well, because. That's where the human mind is going to go, right? right? Whenever I start talking to anybody about how we're saved by grace, the the thing comes, that's the first question. Right. Oh, I mean, I can just sin now? Well, no. And and so it's it's his his answer is absolutely not, but then he tells you why. Right. Because you've been buried, you've been you've been raised and you're now walking in newness mm. of life. You've you've received something, right? That changed you. You're no longer a slave to this sin, right? It should no longer be uh, pulling you under mm. uh, because you have found victory through the grace. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about this. There's two traditional ways that people naturally respond to the good news. Okay, they either misunderstand the entirety of grace. And so they then begin this, this legalistic walk where it's like, okay, now that I've accepted Jesus and now that he's cleansed me, uh, what happens if I get dirty again? What happens if I sin again? Oh no, now I'm going to have to make atonement. Uh, you start working up these ways to, um, and I'm not going to pick on my uh, Catholic friends too much, but this concept of continual confession, I have to go to confession and get a clean slate again. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to hell. And Catholics aren't the only ones that buy into that, mm-hmm. that thinking. <clears throat> we just might, might have applied it a little differently. Right. We have different ways of going about this. Yeah. Trying I mean, to I was raised a lot with that mentality mm-hmm. because I was thinking all the time, oh man, God can't forgive me again. I've, I've done it again. And I end up on my knees praying, and please, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And it's like, you know, if I died between prayers, I felt like I was going to go to hell. Right. And that simply is not New Testament theology. Right. That's not, that is not the good news. Yeah. The good news is not that you're going to live the rest of your life in constant torment, afraid that you're going to go to hell. Um, That's horrible news. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, well, Jesus cleansed me. You know, it, it was like a cyclical thing. So it's like, yes, he cleansed me, but then I start sinning again and I have to pray. And then he cleanses me again. And mm. that's a misunderstanding of First John 1 and 9, where it says, if you confess your faults, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and clean you, cleanse you from, it says, say, all, all unrighteousness. unrighteousness. <laughs> but the, yeah, and that's the problem. You know, and there's so many scriptures that fly <clears throat> in the face. I think of one, just naturally the, the idea of... Uh, the 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 image that Jesus gives to the woman at the well of living water, mm-hmm. right? Right. If you'll drink from me, you'll thirst no more, and I'll be a, a spring of living water welling up, coming from within you, from yes, within you, right? Mm-hmm. And that that whole idea that it's a, you know, it's a continual thing. It's a continual cleansing. Yeah, and we have to also look at First John one and and know that he's not saying when he says if you confess your faults, he's not saying 
if you pray to me continually. Right. That's not what he's saying, huh. because you got to read the rest of the verse before and the verse after, where he says, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. He says that before and after. So right. what he's saying in that middle uh, verse is, admit if, it. if you admit yes. that you are a sinner, he's yeah. faithful and just to forgive uh, yeah, you. Yeah, that's what that whole first chapter is about. Is and confessing it. Confessing like, it. And like openly, openly. In your open, own heart, yeah. even confessing it. Right. So uh, so the, this is like, this is, is, is um, the wrong way to respond to the mm-hmm. good news. And uh, to give you a good example of this is, um, let, let's say you've got a bunch of sheep and you've got a problem with wolves coming in and eating the sheep. Yes. Now, one of the ways you can fix that problem is to set up a cage, a, a trap, and the wolf gets caught in it. Well, now you might have fixed the problem, but as long as, because the wolf is in the cage. Right. And so if we look at this like conversion, and we sometimes think of it that way, well, you know, I've trapped I've trapped this uh, sin nature. <clears throat> this sin nature. Yeah. And now he's in the confines of all these rules to follow. Right. And uh, he can only walk so far one way, so far the other way. He can't get through the bars. He can't eat the sheep, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But what's the problem here? The the wolf has not changed. Right. He's simply in the confines of uh, regulations that's preventing him from sinning. Right. So this is just like w- w- where we are when we, when we uh, when we serve God through a strict religion only type yeah. of mindset is that we are simply uh, being forced not to do the things we really want to do. Right. So we're constantly holding ourselves back, and we're constantly. Uh, butting our nose up against these bars of this cage because, man, those sheep sure still look good. Right. And you still want to take a bite out of one of them. <laughs> and if you, and if that if that wolf gets out of the cage, what's he do? He takes a bite out of a sheep. Yeah, man, he just dives right in. He goes right back to what he was. There's no, been no change. But sort of the flip side of this is what if magically – you could turn the wolf into a sheep. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, no, he no longer needs a cage. That's right. Because he no longer needs those rules and confines. Why? Because he's part of that. Well, what he's naturally going to start doing is stop being, you know, a blood-hungry wolf, and he's going to start being a, a grass-hungry sheep, right? Yeah. He's not going to have those old cravings or, you know, he's not going to try to satisfy those. And that's the power of regeneration. And that's what we're going to be focusing on here is this change that makes you from one thing to a completely different thing that has different desires right? and different uh, motives. And so um, it's, it's interesting whenever you look at the terms like reading Galatians, he talks about the law had its place and its place was to teach you, you can't eat sheep, right. right? That's what it was supposed to be. But once you turn into a sheep, you don't need the, the, the law anymore. You don't need this, this confine Amen. because now you've got different desires. Yes. Um, now let's look at the flip side of this. There's another way people respond to the good news. Okay. And it is exactly what you know, we were talking about before where you just kind of like, oh, okay, I'll raise my hand. I'll say my prayer, whatever. Thanks, God. I'll go back to my business. <laughs> and you just continue in sin like nothing's changed. Right. And uh, 
But now you think, okay, but it's fine. It's all right. I got Jesus. You know, he knows I'm a sinner. Sure. <laughs> he, you know, that's why he died on the cross. We're all I mean, good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't need to really alter anything. Um, and this is a false conversion. This is, this is the, 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 the wrong side of, of understanding conversion as well. Right. That's not a true conversion at all. It's just fine. Now you're finding justification, your own justification, not Jesus's justification. Yeah. You're finding your own uh, excuse for your sinful um, lifestyle. Well, if you look at that word conversion itself, what is it? Con- uh, what's the connotation there? What's the meaning of the word conversion? <clears throat> you're converting. You're changing from one thing to another, mm-hmm. right? So if there's no change, there's no conversion. Yeah. Yeah, and that's repentance. What does repentance mean? It means to turn around. Yeah. And go the other way. Yeah. Right? And uh but so there's no repentance in this. Right. This is just a, a misunderstanding of how grace works. Yes. So there are two extremes to this thing, but the solution is found in the middle. And and that doesn't mean that that you're saved by little works and a little grace, don't get me wrong. That's not the middle. The middle is <laughs> you change and and your desires change. Now that doesn't mean you don't still you still aren't tempted from time to time, but what it means is now as a converted heart, one that that has a different um uh view, now whenever you catch yourself wanting these things, it disgusts you. Right, and so that's that's the the difference because there's a heart change here. Uh, one of the verses that that I like about that I think point to this, and there's been a lot of people debating about <clears throat> what this passage means. It's the wedding feast uh, parable mm. that Jesus gives in uh, Matthew 22, and of course in this in this parable, it's basically saying, um, okay. This guy has this rich guy ha- throws a wedding party, and uh, all the family and friends don't come. And so the guy says, "Well, you know what? You go out there in hedges and highways, you know, sure, and get everybody who will come, and invites all these people into the wedding feast. And so every- they all come in, and it's all hunky dory and all this. But there's this one guy here that is not wearing the right clothes, right." And the master says, how in the world did you get in here without the right clothes? Yeah. Cast this guy out. And so they kick him out of the party. And of course, then it gets, the the language gets pretty harsh. It's like, then he was thrown out and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth and <laughs> it gets outer darkness. Sure. All that stuff. So <clears throat> the, the thing that's always uh, been a, 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 a level of debate, people go, oh, okay, I get the people that were invited were the Jews and they didn't come. And the, the hedges and highways people. Them are, are the Galatians. Those are yeah, yeah, the Gentiles. Are the Gentiles. I'm tired. Just <laughs> Them Gentiles. Which Galatians are Gentiles? That's that's true. Anyway. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so they got they they're the the Gentiles and they come in. But then people get confused with this whole guy not having the wedding outfit on. Right. Okay. So let's do a, just a quick um, history lesson on or cultural lesson on the Jewish wedding feast is that... You need a culture le- lesson button, by the way. We do. Gather around, kids. Yes. 
Anyway. Where's Brendan when I need Yeah, seriously. Brendan's going to learn you something. <laughs> All right, learn me something. <laughs> okay, David. so uh, it was traditional at these big wedding feasts that they would have in these Jewish household, households that everyone would wear a, a, a outer uh, cloak, right. a garment, that was provided, by the way, by the host, by the father of the bride. And so they would have all of these these robes hanging at the entrance. Right. So when you came in, you were given the wedding attire. Yes. You put it on on top of your current clothes and went into the wedding. Right. Okay, so sounds like conversion, right? Oh, it sounds I'm t- just like I- I'm putting on Jesus. I'm putting on this new coat or whatever. Right. But somehow this one guy got into the into the wedding feast and didn't bother putting on the new coat. The new coat that he was given at the door. Right. And so it's like what's wrong with you? Uh, you don't belong here and because you were completely unwilling to change clothing when you came into this house, then you're kicked out. And uh so th- I I believe this is talking about the regener- the unregenerated Heart, who's in, yes. who comes into the church and thinks they're a guest, thinks that they're part of the party, whatever, but they failed to put on the new man. They did, they were never changed. Yes. They never received this, this, they this weren't, change. Yeah, they weren't converted. Yeah. So the, the, the thing is, this, this doctrine's everywhere in the New Testament. Like, yes. it is literally everywhere. Um, and, uh, oh, I, I, here's an, a similar thing to the wolf story. I just love this one too. Because it's uh, Charles Spurgeon gave this, this, all right. <laughs> this, oh, man. this, uh, scenario It's like, let's say you have a bucket of slop over here on, on one side of the room and you have this gourmet meal, like prepared by the, a world-class chef sitting over here on the other side of the room. Now, all of a sudden a pig comes in the room. Where is the pig going to go? He's going to go the slop because that he doesn't know the difference. Right. And to him, the slop is more appealing. There's a bigger bucket of it. It's like it's what he's used to. It stinks, which attracts him. And so the pig goes over there and crams his head down in this bucket. Yeah. And just goes to town on it, right? And just he's working it over. But let's say at a moment you could change that pig into a man. Now what happens? He pulls his head out of the bucket. He looks down at the filth all over himself. He's disgusted with himself. He's yes. disgusted with where he where he's been and what he's been doing. And he now knows that this is garbage and that this is nasty and that this is not what I want any part of anymore. And your stomach starts hurting because he's vomited because of it or whatever. Right. I mean, it, it, what you used to like, you no longer like. Like you no longer enjoy it to that degree. It shames you now. Yeah, I uh, I have even another analogy too. Uh, okay. So I was uh, I had a a a youth pastor come and do a D now for us, and he gave this whole picture. He's like, imagine that you're born in this this box, and this box is completely dark. You can't see your fist in front of your face, right? Mm-hmm. And to be given 
you've been given this stuff to eat, and let's just call them crunching nom noms, right? <laughs> so you're <laughs> eating on these crunchy nom noms. Every I can day. only imagine where this is going, and it's so good. You know, <clears throat> at first, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's wonderful. These crunchy nom noms are great, and everything. <laughs> One day, somebody flips on the light, and as soon as they flip on the light, you realize that you've been eating cockroaches. <laughs> Right? This is what you've been living on yeah, for, for yeah. your life. And they flip on the life and they offer you a gourmet meal, right? <laughs> right. So to you know, you're naturally gonna go, Well, that was disgusting. I'm gonna go towards that gourmet meal. Now you might actually have a desire sometimes to go back to those crunchy nom noms because it's familiar. It's what you've been wanting right, your whole right. life, right? That's what you've been but eating. But the minute you take a bite out of it, you're like, oh, this is nasty. What, what am, am I, I doing? doing? Exactly. And you go right back to that. And that's that yeah. that idea that we're we're getting at. Yeah, I got a, I got a, 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 an even more graphic one. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> one time some friends and, and I went out to eat at a Italian restaurant. Okay. And I ordered eggplant parmesan. Okay, and it was good stuff. I mean, it was amazing. This is a really nice Italian restaurant, and or at least so I thought. And so I'm eating this eggplant parmesan, and I mean, I just devoured the whole thing. Like it was way more than I should have eaten, right? And this sort of thing. But I ended up getting food poisoning from that. Now that night is one of the worst nights of my life, dude. I was so violently sick. Oh. I mean, so violently sick. I decorated our bathroom walls with oh. eggplant parmesan. Yeah. And it was one of those things where you lose everything that's in your stomach. <laughs> and it was happening so fast and so furiously that I couldn't, I honestly could not get to the toilet or whatever. It was everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was a mess. Melanie was just probably yeah. just sick to death over this. So anyway, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm holding on to the toilet bowl. My leg is shaking. And I'm like, oh, 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 there's nothing left to come out. And my body's like, Ugh. no, it's got to come out. Yeah. It's horrible. Okay. Horrible. I'm in the fetal position in the floor of my bathroom, shivering. Sure. I've never been sick like that. So do you think I eat eggplant parmesan now? No. I won't touch that stuff. It. <laughs> what you use so delicious whenever I ate it, right? It was so good to me at that point. But then I went through a conversion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was a violent, painful conversion. <laughs> and now eggplant parmesan's the last thing I will ever eat. I will never touch eggplant parmesan again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Nasty. And what's funny is. There's millions of people out there who love eggplant parmesan and will continue to it's eat great. it. Right? Because, I love it, yeah. Right. So it all has to do with you and your conversion yeah. process that <laughs> changes it. I know that's totally overly graphic and, and but you know But you, hopefully we've illustrated this enough. This whole <laughs> idea of a change. Right. It's a change that occurs. Yeah, and, and so if you have any doubts that this is actually scriptural stuff. Yes. Uh, go I'm, just, I'm gonna throw some out real quick. Galatians two twenty says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, it's not me anymore. Something else is happening here. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, So then if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look 
what is new has come. Mm. Uh, Romans 8 and 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 24 and 25, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step yes. with the Spirit. So um, one of the things I want to look at here is why regeneration is required, why it's a part of the process. And it's as important part of the process as the actual justification that that is the good news. Right. And and the reason why is why is it completely through grace and not works. Hmm. Ultimately, it, uh, going back to w- the 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 passage that you read in Romans 4 and all that, why does he say it's by grace that you've been saved? Yeah, why? Because you can't do any works. Yeah. to save yourself. Well, because you y- you don't make God a debtor, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Y- you don't God doesn't owe you anything. In right. fact, this is going to be God's work and God's going to get the glory for it. You're right. not going to get jack. That's right. You know, except for, you know, the life with him. Yeah. And and but you're not from a glory standpoint, you're not going to get any of that. Well, it's his show. <clears throat> right. It's it's God's show. This is not, you know, um when I was a kid, I used to think I used to have the Jeremiah show. I think everybody does this. Yeah. Like they're the main character in their own TV show, right? Right, right. So all these other people are supporting. Characters. We're still doing that, right? Yes, <laughs> that's right. I mean, we—it's natural for us to do that. We're egotistical. This is right? the Theonauts. Yes. The- <laughs> so we have our own. You know, we have our own show. We're the main characters in that, and everybody else plays a role. So I, you know, imagine my life as a sitcom where, you know, I, it, story after story, it'd be about me and all about the, the shenanigans I get into and how I get myself out of trouble. But the re- reality is, is this isn't our show. We're tertiary characters, right? In God's big show, which is about Him and His glory, and that's why <laughs> salvation is of Him, by Him, through Him. Yes, yes. And so this is why it's important to not fall into either one of those categories. Yeah. Of either being okay now that Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Now it's going to be about me working. You know, and that's where my salvation is going to be tied to. Right. Uh, that's why it's important not to do that because it's not you. Yeah. It's God. But on the flip side of that, there's also a reason why it can't be okay. Well, nothing's changed, and thank you, God. How, How would was, God get that glory? Right. He's not getting because then what happens when people see a Christian like that? They go, "That's a Christian." Right. There's no. There's, there's no, no difference. They see no difference between you and the rest of the world. How is God glorified in that? Right. And so there's this um, there's this thing that it's about him. And so uh, if we go back to numbers, there's this really cool uh, dialogue between Moses and God. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool because God is like really playing Moses a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and I love the way it reads in Numbers 14, verse 11 through 17. It says, The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of the signs that I've done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and I will disinherit them and I will make you into a new nation that is greater and mightier than they. Okay, so so God's telling Moses, you know what? I've had it with these people. <laughs> I'm done. They won't do anything that I want. So he's playing into the whole legalism side of it, right? right. 
they're not doing what I want. So I'm kicking them out. I'm killing them all. And we're going to start over. And and you're okay, Moses. Wow. <laughs> I'll start with you. Well, Moses actually gives God the response that I think God was looking for. And Moses says to the Lord, when the Egyptians hear it, for you brought up this people by your power from among them, then they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among the people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, that your cloud stands over them, and that you go before them by day in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. If you kill this entire people at once, then the nations that have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to them, he killed them in the wilderness. So now... Let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have said. Yes. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah, so he, so he made the exact argument that I think God was looking for out of him. Because he's basically saying, look, if you kill these people because of their transgressions, then everyone's going to say you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't help them. Right. That they were just useless. And But because you give them grace, because you love them and help them, even though they're horrible, that shows that you're that they're yours. Right. I mean, it's just like our kids or whatever. We have we have our, our kids that they may be unruly or whatever, but when people see a parent dealing with that, mm. they have respect for it. That's right. And uh, but what happens if uh, you're just a absentee father, you know, and the kids out there doing whatever and whatever, then, well, who raised that kid? Right. And so that's to me where it kind of goes with this cheap grace or this greasy grace idea is if you're, if you're out there just doing whatever and none of it matters anymore because now you have God's grace, well then what does that say about God? Mm. I mean, that, that, that the nations as (laughs) Moses is saying, are going to be looking at him and going, he can't control his people. Right. He can't. He can't. You know, keep these people under control. Uh, <laughs> so, so the thing is, God is the one who wants all the glory. And and we've got way more scriptures that we could read about this. Ezekiel uh, thirty six twenty two. Uh, it talks about how I pulled you out of Egypt. I drew you from other nations and I made you a people and it's not for your sake that I do this. I mean, he says this over and over and he says, you will be clean. I will take the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. This makes it completely passive. Right. And, and, and oftentimes we think of conversion as something I do, right? Like it's, it's my decision. And I've made my decision, and now we're done. We even sing songs about it. I have decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so it's like we it's all about our decision. But and, and I'm not saying that there's not a decision there, uh, because I'm not quite that Calvinistic or whatever. <laughs> you're sounding pretty Calvinistic to me right now. But no, keep, keep going. No, I'm listening. I, I do believe exactly that there is saying. a decision there. Yes, <clears throat> but. That's not the whole deal. That's right. not the whole enchilada. There is another side of this coin. There's there is God's 
power in this, which yes. is the real power of conversion, which is a magical thing that turns the wolf into a sheep and turns the pig into a man. That's right. And turns your stony heart into one of flesh. That's right. And so this power changes you. When we're willing to be changed, God changes us by his power. Yes. They're perfect way of, of fitting free will into this. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. So anyway, <laughs> so you got this 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 thing that's happening here, and it's for God's glory. He's saying, I'm going to do this not for your sake, but for mine. And when we stop and, and look at it, I mean, oftentimes we get so caught up on what Jesus did for me that we almost forget that the bigger picture is that, yeah, he did it for me for God. Yes. That this is a bigger, I'm just a little piece of the grand scheme and that God's the focus. He's the important one. I think this is a key uh, for all of, underst- for understanding all of theology. I think it's a big deal. Yeah. In fact, when God created us in his image and his likeness, if you look at what that means, the very fact that God created us in the first place was for His glory. Yeah. So that we would be His image and likeness. What do you do when you create something as an image or a likeness, right? You have, I have little statues of Ninja Turtles. Why is that? <laughs> because I love Ninja Turtles, right? And right. it's for the Ninja Turtles' <clears throat> glory. Does that make sense? <laughs> and that's worship right yeah, yeah. there. But what we're doing, what we are, what we're made to be is images of God for his glory. Yes. That's the whole picture of everything. And once we surrender and get out of the way, (laughs) he actually molds us into his image. Yes. And this becomes the type of saving that the scriptures talk about that we now call sanctification, right? This is where sanctification comes from. It's because he's continually changing us, working on us, all this sort of thing. He's the potter, we're the clay. Yeah, a great example of this is uh, Jacob and Esau. Mm. And, and uh, I love that, that this goes completely against our nature. And it even goes against a lot of theology, a lot of, of personal theologies that people have. Right. Uh, <clears throat> in Romans, oh, was it 9? Where, yeah. where he says, um, I hated Esau from the womb, and Jacob I loved. Mm. And now we can batter around why all we want to. But that's not the point. Right. The point is he said it. And whether that's for knowledge or that's just plain flat out election or whatever, <laughs> you guys can fight about that. But let's <laughs> but let's look at what he's saying here. He says I hated Esau. But let's look at the story. Look at the actual lives of these people. I know it's amazing when you look at that. So like you've got uh Isaac. Yeah. And he's got these kids, born twins, and the one of them is his favorite, Esau. The firstborn came out first. He's he's the man's man. Yes. He's daddy's got kid. Ruddy and red. He comes <clears throat> out hairy. Yeah. He's just a mess Ready to hunt down. Yeah, loves know, to hunt. Everything. And here's Jacob. He's a little bit of a mama's boy. He was a, he Hangs was, out in the tent, reads the scrolls. He was a special little guy. <laughs> That's right. So... And Sorry. and so from the, looking at it from Isaac's standpoint, mm-hmm. um, he's a father. Now, did he hate Esau from the womb? No, no. it's yeah. right the opposite. He loved Esau. He loved Esau, and, and Jacob was kind of just there sometimes. He's know? a heel grabber. Yeah, yeah, he's a that's what Jacob means, heel yeah. catcher. And so 
So, you know, if you look at this story, <clears throat> it really is messed up. Jacob is is a conniving uh, little twerp. He is, man. I mean, he like first he cheats uh, Esau out of his birthright mm-hmm. because of this whole thing about. Now you can say <laughs> that Esau was stupid for agreeing to this because how starving could he really have been after right. a day of hunting? <laughs> but but anyway, he sells his his birthright for some food, and uh, and that kind of shows you what Esau's heart was. He was kind of like, he was not ambitious. Right. He was just, you know, I mean, he was just surviving on yeah. his own uh, means. And, but then Jacob and his mom, they, they connived to steal away the blessing. the blessing as well. And so it's like, it wasn't enough that you got this guy's birthright. Now you're, you're going to take his first son blessing and all this. So he ends up tricking his dad into doing this. <clears throat> and then whenever it becomes obvious what had happened, he has to flee in fear of his life. And he ends up uh, uh, going to this other land and he works on the land of Laban's to try and get a, uh, his daughter. And he gets the wrong one. And, you know, <laughs> you got all this drama that happens there. He works for, for Rachel. He gets her too. But, you know, look at how, and, and people always want to focus on that and go, oh, Jacob loved Rachel so much. He was willing to 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 work an extra seven years, and it seemed as only a day or whatever. And everyone wants to focus on the love story here. And it's like, well, stop. What about the poor Leah? Right. Who, who got, she got snaggled in this thing as well. Yeah. And then what about Laban, who ends up getting stolen from and everything else. Yeah, from- all those sheaves. Like, you know, <laughs> you think about that. All the sheep that he he rips off Laban. Yeah. Jake- because he figures out how to crossbreed or whatnot. Jacob <laughs> steals his sheep. He steals his pagan gods. He steals, I mean, he's he's like all this. And he, he runs away and escapes there. And he constantly treats Leah horrible. Yeah. And there's this huge battle between Leah and Rachel about who's the real wife and which kids really count. And you've got more kids than me. I'm going to get a concubine to try and beat you. And I mean, there was this, it was just messy. Yeah. You have Jacob fighting an angel, which is, you know, him wrestling with God. And, so Jacob just had a really messed up life. And then he right. go back to this Romans and it's saying, I hated Esau from the womb and I love Jacob. And whenever Jacob gets back to Esau, he's scared for his life because he knows Esau has prospered. Esau has an army and he knows that he's about to get beat up by his brother, but his brother turns around and has grace on him. Right. And, and he tries to get, uh, Jacob tries to give him stuff and he's like, no, nah, I don't need it. <clears throat> so in our eyes, Jacob or Esau was a pretty blessed guy, right? Well, yes. Yeah, so much the better of Jacob. Yeah. And Jacob was just the messy, he had a messy life. And so you stop and think about why did God, why would God, if God loved Esau but hated or uh, hated Esau but loved Jacob, why did Esau get all this blessing? Right. Which, if we're following the uh, Joel Osteens of the world, that's what a Christian should look like. Yeah. But what we see is God loving this man who was a heel catcher and a liar and a thief and all of this sort of thing. Why? 
Well, the, the bottom line is Esau might have had all this worldly goods, but he didn't have God. And God just kind of let him be what he, what he turned out to be. But Jacob, on the other hand, even as messed up as his life was, God was with him all the way and kept working on him and kept changing him and kept uh, molding him until right. finally his name is no longer Jacob. Right. It's Israel. And Israel is where it's at. Like his sons are the tribes yeah. of, of Israel. So God was taking this broken, messed up man and worked on him and changed him and made him into something new. And that's regeneration. That's conversion. And so God is, it's, it's okay to be a right. messed up person and have yeah. a messed up past. Uh, as long as we know that God's working on us and changing us and sanctifying us and and making, we might be wrestling with Him, but you know He's going to take care of us. Amen. And that's the cool thing about this whole idea of why it's about God and not about me. Yeah. I mean, if it was about, uh, I mean, Esau made a name for himself. Jacob didn't. God made a name out of Jacob. Oof, powerful. Stuff. Named him Israel. Israel. Which I think is a big cool thing that in the scriptures, whenever someone has a true conversion, their name changes. Abram becomes Abraham, Jacob becomes Israel, Saul becomes Paul, uh, Simon becomes Peter. Yeah, I mean, there's just like there's this this continual thing, and whenever we are converted, the same thing happens to us. We're given a new name. Yeah, we 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 become Christians. Yeah, we 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 wear the, the name of Christ because of that. And so going back to this whole thing, you mean I can do whatever it is I want. The, um, you know, was it St. Augustine that said, love and do as you like? And that might be a confusing statement for someone who doesn't understand regeneration. <laughs> but what St. Augustine is saying is, if you will love, if your heart has been changed, if you, the heart of stone's gone and this heart of flesh is there and now you love you can do what you like because what you like is what God likes. Amen. You you have a, a a parallel will as as God, and so you you can do uh, what you like. And there are a lot of verses that that back this up as as well. Uh, Jeremiah thirty one uh, thirty one to thirty four, Jeremiah thirty two and forty, which I think is an interesting one because if you um, it's one of those things where the verse is kind of split in half. If you read the first part of the of the verse, it says, I will make a lasting covenant with them that I will never stop doing good for them. And that sounds like a lot of preachers today, right? Oh, yeah. But then the rest of the verse says, I will fill their hearts and minds with respect for me so that they will never turn away from me. Amen. So the part the the the, the part is, yes, I will take care of you, but you will take care of me too. Right. And I will make sure. Uh, that you do it. And, and of course, Romans 7 and 6 brings us right into the New Testament and, and basically tells us now that we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, the wolf in the cage thing, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of a written code. So now it's a, it's a, a heart thing. And uh, so anyway... The, the, the last thing that I, I like to look at in this whole idea of 
regeneration, life-altering news is basically that the the goal for us is to be with Jesus. Amen. I mean, he's our he's our 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 bridegroom. We're his bride. That that whole being with him and abiding with him is the goal. <clears throat> and we do that now as Christians. We don't have to wait till heaven right. to abide with him. And so it, it draws me to John 15, uh, which is the, one of the last things that Jesus is teaching his disciples before, he, uh, before he's, he's uh, taken to the cross. And uh, in John 15, verse 3 through 9, it says, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So there's grace right yes. there without works. He says, abide in me and I in you. Okay, so now that you've been clean, here's the deal. Live with me. Come abide with me and I will abide with you. And he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's the works. The works come, the fruits come. Because you abide in me. Amen. Not because you're trying to abide in me, but because you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what is it that you wish? That's right. You're, to glorify God. Yes, you're going to want the same things Jesus is wanting. Right. Here's, this doesn't mean you can have your G6 jet now. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> you know, ugh. read the whole passage. Yeah. So he says, by this, my father is glorified. Okay, that goes right back to what we were saying. This whole thing is about God's glory, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Mm. So your works are the fruit of your salvation. They show They're your the salvation. They're the evidence of your salvation. Yeah. They're not the means no. of your salvation. So powerful. It's life altering. It is. It's <laughs> sanctification. It's regeneration. Awesome. And the most neglected teaching in Christian. <laughs> wow. Be willing to change. All right, you got some news for us? Yeah. And now, the news. All right, so uh, former KKK leader David Duke qualifies for televised Senate debate at Historically Black University. What? I'll read that again. <laughs> Former KKK leader David Duke qualifies for televised Senate debate at historically black university. That sounds really weird. Yeah. According to ABC News, David Duke will debate on November 2nd with race frontrunners Republican John Kennedy and Democrat Foster Campbell at New Orleans Dillard University Historically Black College. <laughs> He was the former Grand Wizard of the KKK, a white supremacist organization, of course, that opposed civil rights for African Americans throughout history through murder, lynching, and bombing, <laughs> and continues to exist today. And he's going to stand up there and debate 
This is the one debate I'm going to watch. I wonder what side of the debate he's on. I mean, what's he trying to debate? I have no clue. He's probably going to run independent. That's kind of weird. It'll be November 7th, or November 2nd. This was his tweet. Important news. I qualified for the U.S. Senate most important debate in Louisiana on November 2nd. I can't wait to tell truth nobody else dares. Oh, wow. So we'll see what happens with this guy. But, I mean, it's just more political nut (laughs) jobs. And, oh, my goodness. Like, when will it ever end, come Lord Jesus? You know what I mean? (laughs) Which, oh, by the way, uh, you know that the... the, was that the Indians and the uh, the Cubbies are in the World Series, right? Right, right. So, uh, did you see the uh, uh, did you see the uh, what was the name of that Christian? Babylon B? Yeah, the Babylon <laughs> B on that. <laughs> Saw that. Like uh, heaven, yeah, heaven confirms Jesus coming back, like in Game Seven <laughs> in the fifth inning of the World Series <laughs> <laughs> or Game Nine or whatever. Right. So funny to me. <laughs> I said it to my best friend. He's a huge uh, Cubbies fan. Right. He's. I mean, he's been going to games forever and all the stuff that he has. So, I don't know. Jesus has got to be coming back soon. I mean, we got the <laughs> the Cubbies. We got Trump and Hillary Rowe for president, and the Cubbies are in the national set, uh, the World Series. <laughs> Anyways, okay, latest survey. Uh, this is from Christianity Today. Most evangelicals are not voting for Trump. Most of them, huh? Yeah, this is what LifeWay Research says. Among Americans with evangelical beliefs, uh, in 2016 presidential election, this is the question, for whom do you plan on vote? 45% said Donald Trump. 31% said Hillary Clinton. 8% said Gary Johnson, which I'm shocked at. 15% said undecided. Wow. 15% are undecided. Wow. That's a huge... And I think that those fifteen percent will go Trump because when it comes down to it, there's no other. It's not a lot of choice. No, <laughs> this something was really interesting to me. Uh, this is the same question in 2016 presidential election. For whom do you plan on vote? Whites, sixty five percent say Trump, ten percent say Clinton, eight percent say Johnson, and sixteen percent say undecided. That's the white. They're, you know. It's almost the same uh-huh. <laughs> numbers. But look at other ethnicities, and it's uh, uh, 62% Clinton, 15% Trump, 7% Johnson, and 13% undecided. That is a huge rift mm-hmm. that we have in America. It, American it culture. always is that way, though. I know. It's just amazing to me. And that's just not blacks and whites. That's, that's every other ethnicity. Mm hmm. Pretty interesting. Well, that's because part of the pitch has been that, uh, you know, Trump's a racist. Mm -hmm. And uh, so. Mm. All right. 75% Democrats say they're voting for Clinton. Republicans, 75% say they're voting for uh, Trump. (laughs) That's pretty shocking. 43% of independents say they're voting for Trump, which just sounds about right. Yeah. So. I don't know. Uh, it's very interesting. This is a very close and uh, hotly debated uh, issue. And it'll finally come out in a couple of weeks. So next yep. week, isn't it next week? The 7th? 9th, I think. 8th or 9th. Um, I, I'm going to be in Haiti that week. 
Oh, wow. So I'm going to go vote early. You don't have to. Oh, okay. I thought you were just going to skip the vote. Hey, we are in Texas. We know it's going to go red. Yeah, it's kind of pointless. <laughs> All right, uh, some good news. 72 sex slaves freed by the International FBI Sting Operation. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Earlier this week, federal agents at lo- uh, and local Washington State Police arrested 14 people with connections to multi-city prostitution rings suspected of forcing over 72 people victims of having sex in exchange for money, including five children, according to multiple wow. reports. Yeah, the FBI, FBI declined to comment on where exactly the arrests and where the victims were found. The agencies involved used undercover agents to contact the women involved in canvassed areas where street prostitution occurs. The operation is part of a wider initiative aimed at uh, to prosecute sex slavery that has spanned the United States and other countries, including Cambodia, Canada, the Philippines, and Thailand. So good for them. I'm glad that that happened. Yeah, that's some good news. Yeah, some great. Um, okay. People don't realize how much. Um, oh, that's modern day human slavery. trafficking is huge. Yeah. in America, and we've covered that. I, there's a uh, a good theonauts on mm-hmm. on porn and human trafficking because yeah. of that, and so it'd be something to go back in our archives and check out. But you know, it's it is it's the modern day pandemic. It's terrible. So. There's a Willy Wonka spinoff movie in the works. Really? Yeah. Every everyone's favorite kind of terrifying fictional candy maker is getting a whole new movie. <laughs> terrifying. Well, it scared me. <laughs> not not the remake. Not Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, Gene, G- the Gene Wilder, one. Gene Wilder in his boat scene. <laughs> tripped me. Out. Did it scare you when you were a kid? Not really. I guess you but- were. Well, I mean, I was still that was an older movie, so oh, yeah, yeah, I was a kid. But um but yeah, uh, there's a good episode of Finding Christ in Cinema on that. Yeah, it's 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 they they covered the original oh, yeah. one. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh it's unclear whether it's going to be Charlie and Charlie Factory or Charlie and the Great Glass Elevators. Have you read those? Mm-hmm. We have one of those. At I the, haven't uh, read any uh Roald Dahl stories. Really? Mm-mm. I love it. I man, James and the Giant Peach. You've never Mm-mm. wow. Matilda. Um, haven't read any of those. There's a there's one of those books at at the way. You should go check it out. Oh really? Yeah, it's one of those shows. <laughs> I haven't taken it yet, but I'm about to. I'm about to take it. <laughs> Which one? James and the Giant Peach? No, or? it's uh, Charlie and the Great Glass, Glass Elevator. It's the oh, sequel really? to the uh, Chocolate Factory. Oh okay, I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, it's. Pretty funny because basically what they do is they get back in the elevator yeah with granny and all the other people yeah and they're going to the chocolate factory and he's showing them a tour and basically it shoots out and they end up going into orbit because granny hits a wrong button or something <laughs> and so they end up hooking up at the uh with the they pass the international space station and they end up hooking it up into this uh new orbital hotel that people are building and like so, they're going along. Yeah, oh, it's, weird! It's, it's so trippy, dude. It's like the most trippy thing. He must have been on something, but anyway, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, all his stories are really trippy. Oh yeah, so. definitely. Okay, and today in church history, getting our TARDIS. Speaking of glass elevators, yes, <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. It Isn't is. that the famous quote? Yeah. On October 366, and this is actually the 26th, not not the 25th, yeah. but I had to do this one today because it's, <laughs> it's just so good. Um, on this day, uh, you, 
Uh, no, 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 no. So sorry, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> on this day, October 26, 2000, or, th- or three, no. On the, let me. <laughs> on this day, October 26, 366, uh, Demaeus won Pope. Why is that important? Well, he won it after a bloody victory where he killed 130, a three-day fight where he killed 130 <laughs> supporters of a different pope, Eurismus, on a ch- in a church. What? <laughs> yeah, there was a church standoff. Okay, so basically, uh, the pope died. This is before they were calling him the pope, but um, Bishop Liberius. Sunday. That's right. <laughs> Bishop Liberius died. And uh, a vicious cage match. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so what happens is uh, Bishop Liberius died, and back then there was no system like the College of Cardinals or anything to elect the new pope. Yeah, yeah. And so it was pretty much just given to the most popular bishop, right? And so this next bishop in line, which was which was actually um, this guy Demaeus, uh, um, he was a six year old deacon, uh, was. Uh, uh, he was consecrated by three other bishops. He was he was supposed to be the one to take it. Well, people didn't like him. Some people didn't like him because he, he didn't take a strong fight against Arianism. Okay. Right? Which right. was that whole... Uh, Jesus the, is a man. and Exactly. Yeah. The, no, denied no the deity of... Right. Yeah. And so they chose... These guys chose their own guy. Uh, some old pope or some old uh, other dude, Eurasius, and said, no, this is going to be our pope, basically. And mass chaos ensued. There was this huge fight, uh, and it ended up being uh, (laughs) Eurasius was ordered out of town, and he left, but his followers took up arms, and they charged uh, at uh, Demaeus. So Demaeus gathered men, armed them, and attacked. They uh, Demaeus actually used gladiators as bodyguards. Wow! And all this stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. So, what anyways, year was this? Uh, this is three sixty six. They took refuge in the Liberian Basilica. Uh, a three-day battle followed. The supporters of Demaeus assaulted the building from the street and also climbed on the roof. They tore it open and threw heavy tiles on the men This was in the infancy alone. of that whole structure. Yes. And it was this huge fight, right? Wow. So it ends, and Demaeus is the, the pope standing, right? So yeah. he wins the pope. Uh, what's really interesting is, is this is the pope that commissioned um, Jerome. Oh, okay. To make the Latin Vulgate. Right, okay. So this is the that leader of that gotcha. insurrection yeah. became uh and he later denied Arianism and, and even cast out some bishops who were preaching it. Right. And then he had them write the Latin Vulgate. Wow. Jerome do Latin Vulgate. Well go figure. Yeah. That guy <laughs> who killed hundred and thirty people in a church. <laughs> Oh, no, man. 137. This is great. His followers captured the church, leaving 137 followers and Eurysius dead on the floor. Get out. Wow. <laughs> In the church. Where the church has been. I know. It's insane. So, anyways, <laughs> that was your Pope news slash this day. Yeah, we didn't get the. Sisters, <laughs> Come together. together. <laughs> A cage matches here. <laughs> 
you know, they just don't bring that kind of stuff up. It's so interesting. So, <laughs> no, that's kind of swept under the rug. Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. Well, now you know the rest of the awesome. story. And we did a whole thing on church history. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that one's kind of a big deal. But there's so many stories like that, the, the Pope's fighting and mm-hmm. people saying, no, this is our Pope. No, that's our Pope. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> it's in a Pope. <laughs> He's killing the people to be the Pope. Well... <laughs> Anyways, all right. Are you ready? Yeah, we ready to get out yeah, of here. Let's do this. It's a long night. <laughs> let's see. Here we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us, because that helps us to reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, Dave. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, Stop it! Theonites! Theonites!